Well, good morning, church. Happy Sunday to you. Awesome. Even those of you in the back, say hello, back people. Awesome. Apparently, uh, there needs to be some greater tithes given because electricity is not working in the back. There's no lights back there. I'm not sure what's going on, but uh, it is a joy and a privilege to, uh, to be here. And um, I, I thank Pastor Doug and, and Cindy. For some reason, I just envisioned them being a part of a, of a, of a waiting room in, a, in an airport someplace out west. And so, hello. They're probably watching on their smartphone while he's having some coffee is what I'm guessing. But uh, it's been a privilege to, uh, to be here today. And certainly, I'm grateful for that opportunity from, from Pastor Doug. I know that to be able to give up your, your pulpit um, is something that's very sacred for most pastors. And they take um, a lot of care in who they invite. So it's a privilege to be here for sure. Pastor Doug and I go back about 25 years. Uh, he left a lasting impression upon me for one main reason. He, um, he, he was a part of a, of, a, of a group of pastors that went to a missions trip to Peru. And it happened to be my first missions trip that I had the opportunity to take. And I was naive. I was stupid. Can anybody relate to being naive and stupid? Come on, raise your hand. All right, now elbow your neighbor and say he's talking about you. Okay, so I was naive and stupid because here's why. I did not realize that you don't have to take your entire closet when you go overseas. I was just naive and stupid. My first missions trip, I wanted to be prepared. I wanted to make sure I had enough clothes, right? So I remember going out and purchasing this very tall uh, cargo type of a, of a travel bag thing that zipped up at the top, and I just shoved a lot of clothes down there. That thing was heavy. And this was back in the day when you could bring a few extra luggage, right? And I took advantage of that. So I had that big thing that was heavier than sin. How many of you know how heavy sin is, right? Heavy, heavy. And then I also had some other bags, and I remember I showed up at the airport for the first time, and Pastor Doug and some other pastors, they tried to be loving and kind and supportive, but their face gave it away. They looked at me like, seriously, dude? And that was the support I got from your pastor. That was it. His pastoral heart was not, not too keen that day, but I have since learned when you go overseas, you just be very, very careful and uh, just pack lightly. Just pack lightly. I've learned that the hard way. So that's my memory of Pastor Doug from some years back. It's a joy, it's a joy to deliver the word today. I know that anytime I speak to a church, there's going to be people in the audience. Some of you have been serving the Lord for decades. Some of you have been serving the Lord longer than I've lived on this earth. But some of you are newer to the faith. And here's my request today. When we begin to preach the word that I believe the Lord has for the house today, I would ask that if some of you have heard some of the thoughts before, you don't tune them out. And here's why. God has the opportunity for you to learn something new today, to be reminded of something new today that he will use, maybe not in your life right now in this season, but he will use it in the life of someone that you'll have contact with either when you go home or at work tomorrow or sometime this week or the next week. God, when he delivers a word to you, just hold on to it, even if you think it doesn't apply, because he's going to use it. It never returns void. He's going to use the word. So I would encourage you today as we talk about God's faithfulness. How many of you know God is always faithful? No matter how we feel, no matter what we're going through, God is always faithful in everything that he does. He, that's just who he is. He doesn't change with the wind like you and I sometimes do, right? Sometimes we're kind of short with those we live with at times. True confessions. My wife is sitting in the front row. Patty's a woman of grace and mercy and integrity. Love her deeply. Uh, we have four daughters, two sons-in-law, um, a couple of grand puppies, two granddaughters. Okay, that's more important. And yesterday, I just, I just got a little bit short with her. And I, I'm not normally like that. 
And so this morning, the Lord, I got up early, and, and the Lord just said to me, you're going to go preach. And you were kind of snipped at her yesterday, so I had to do the, my apology to her. Man, how many of you know sometimes you need to do the apology to her? And can I be honest? I didn't want to do it. Can I be really honest with you? I didn't want to do it because I thought, well, I was sort of, I had a right to say what I did and how I said it. And Holy Spirit just sort of said to me, really? Or sort of like Pastor Doug did in the airport. Really, dude? That's what Holy Spirit said to me. So it felt so good to be obedient and apologize. So that's for somebody in the house today. And don't elbow your spouse. Do not elbow your spouse on that one. But I'm, I'm pleased that uh, my, my bride is here and very, very grateful for her love and integrity. Can we all stand this morning? Would you stand with me for a moment? Would you, would you just put your hands out for a moment like you're going to receive something? Because you are. You're going to receive something. So, Father, in the very stillness of this moment, Holy Spirit, we ask you, Lord. In the stillness of this moment, Father, search our hearts. Lord God, the little closets that we think we have hidden from you, Lord, search our hearts today, all of them, every room in our heart, every little closet, every little cabinet. And Father, allow us to be open to what Holy Spirit, what you want to do today. Mold us, make us more like you today, Lord God. Help us to embrace all of your characteristics, your mercy and your grace and your love, your kindness, your forgiveness. Help us to do that today, I pray in Jesus' name. And the entire church said, amen and amen. You may be seated. Today we're talking about how our God is always faithful. And when I think about faithfulness, I also think about the opposite of how there's times in our lives where we see things that are not quite so faithful. For example, is your car always faithful to you? Every time you start your car, does it start? Your car is not always faithful. No matter how old it is, it can fail you. And so cars fail us. Sometimes our newspaper character, if, if they skip a delivery every Monday and every Thursday, is that newspaper carrier faithful? No. If you don't go to work once or twice a month, are you being faithful to your workplace? The answer is no. If your refrigerator stops working for a day or two every now and then, do you say, oh, well, it works most of the time? No, no, no. We want our refrigerator to work all the time. We want our car to start every time, don't we? So it's important to recognize what faithfulness is and what maybe unfaithfulness might be when you can't rely on something or rely on someone. Today we're talking about a God who is always faithful no matter how we treat him, no matter how we feel, no matter what we're going through. We always know our God is faithful. And we're talking about that this morning. The best definition I came up of faithfulness is this. Faithfulness is defined as the quality of being loyal and reliable. Say those words with me. Loyal and reliable. One more time. Loyal and reliable. There's times I'm really loyal and there's times I sort of maybe waver at times because I'm human. And there's times I'm reliable, but there's times I'm maybe not like not all, as reliable. Anybody else relate to that, right? But our God is always loyal. He's always reliable. It never, never changes. I heard a quote once that said this, real faith doesn't draw its attention to itself. It draws attention to the one who was perfectly faithful. So we're talking about a God this morning who was perfectly faithful. And I want to start with Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. You'll see it on the screen. It says this, Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. 
Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That word never is a pretty strong word. He is always faithful. He will never forsake you. Man may forsake you. Your friends may let you down. Your preacher or your church may disappoint you. Hey now, who said yep? Because <laughs> Pastor Doug's not here to hear that. You're not referring to Pastor Doug, I'm sure. Not that preacher. Other preachers. Listen, preachers are, are human. Preachers are human. Churches aren't perfect, and you know why? Because they're made of imperfect people. So are you surprised when churches sometimes have messes? Are you surprised when somebody at church hurts you sometimes? No. Why? They're made of people. So those expectations of perfection that sometimes we have, we cannot place on people because you're not perfect, I'm not perfect. God's still very much working on all of us. We know the theme of God's faithfulness is throughout the Bible. And 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 says this, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Can you say with me, God is faithful? faithful. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, one of my favorite scriptures, and I'm going to pause in the middle of this and just give you a little hint of why I like this scripture. So no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Number one, sometimes the devil whispers in your ear that, listen, what you're going through is extra special. No one else has ever gone through this. What you're going through is, is something no one can relate to. But Scripture's pretty clear. There's no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. In other words, there ain't nothing new under the sun. So don't let the enemy trick you. What Flip Wilson said decades ago, the devil made me do it, that ain't true. You chose to do it. Can I get an amen? Now you can elbow your neighbor. You chose. You chose. We make choices. Listen to the rest of this. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when, not if, when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that what? You can endure it. You know what that really means? That means that if you take an inventory of every mistake you've made, every sin you've gotten tangled in, every road that you chose to go down that was not of God, if you go back and think through every step that you took in that journey, you will realize God provided for you a window of opportunity whereby you could have took a hard left turn and you chose to continue down that journey. Can I get a hard amen on that one? And that's a truth none of us like to hear. But some of the messes we get ourselves in, we get ourselves in. Okay? And the key is to learn from them. The key is that when we go through stuff, and we've all gone through stuff. I've gone through stuff. You've gone through stuff. Your neighbor's gone through stuff. And when we go through stuff, one of the things the Lord wants us to do is to learn from our mistakes. Looking back, I want you, this is the task is, is for all of us in the room. Situations that you have found yourself in that you knew were not of God, that were not God's best for you. And you found yourself entangled in this mess of sin and poor choices. If you look back, there was an opportunity or two or three because God is merciful and gracious. There was an opportunity or two or three that he gave to you that you ignored. That little still voice that comes into our heart. That's Holy Spirit trying to get you to turn. 
He's sounding the red flag. Sometimes he puts people into your life. Sometimes he puts you into a church service where you hear a sermon. And and then that opportunity, he's screaming at you, turn, turn, turn. And you somehow rationalize it and say, that's that's for the guy in in the row ahead of me. I know what he's going through. See, God wants us to be in a position, to be in a posture where we are able to hear his voice so clearly that the stillness, the sweetness of his voice is so clear. My concern is I've gotten a little bit older and worked with people now for quite a long time. My concern is that many of us have too many voices happening in our world. What do you mean by voice, Pastor? Well, here's what I mean. I've been in people's homes where, where they're watching TV, they're on the internet on their smartphone or dumb phone or iPad or something, they got earphones in one ear because they want to listen to music while they're still watching the TV, while they're still online, while they're still... you understand what I'm saying? There's too many voices. There's too many voices. And one of the things I've had to learn in my own walk with the Lord is how to still my heart before him. Because I'm just as guilty as some of you. I, I, I can fall into that. that I, there are too many voices. So... There's times where I have to just be still and know that he is God. But that's a conscious choice. You have to be, you have to be still. Tune down the TV. Turn off the computer. Get yourself in a position, in a posture where you can get in touch with Holy Spirit so when he whispers something to you, he doesn't have to hit you over the head with a, with a bong because, you know, he, I said earlier, he provides a way out. He provides the opportunity for you to take a, a left turn. Well, sometimes he does that in a still, small voice. He's faithful. He wants you to avoid those landmines. God does not set us up for failure. He sets us up for what? Success. He's faithful that way. He wants to see you make it. He believes in you. Very much so, he believes in you. I love the amplified version of the same scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It's not on the screen. Listen to what it says. It says, verse 13, No temptation, regardless of its source, has overtaken or enticed you that is not common to human experience, nor any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance. But God is faithful to his word. He's compassionate. He's trustworthy. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist, but along with the temptation, he has in the past and now and will always provide the way out as well so that you will be able to endure it without yielding and will overcome temptation with joy. I love how Second Thessalonians chapter 3 backs this up. Verse 3 says this, But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. He is for you, sir. He is for you, ma'am. He wants you to make it. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is what? He is faithful. What's that say? If we confess our, our sins, he's what? He's faithful. He's what? He's faithful. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Remember when I was newer to the faith, I came to Christ when I was about 16. I grew up in a church that not necessarily preached salvation. They preached, uh, you kind of are good 
uh, helped old ladies across the street, didn't commit too many murders, and somehow God welcomed you into heaven. That's sort of what I grew up with. I never missed a Sunday. There was years I got perfect attendance in Sunday school for several years in a row. So I was in church, but I didn't really hear the gospel message until I was about 15 or 16. So for me, that was my faith journey. Some of you have similar journeys. Some of you have journeys of faith that are very, very different and very, very opposite. My first few years, I was sitting in service at times, and I would see people lined up giving their hearts to Christ, and I'd think, yay! And then I'd come back the following week, and the same people would be responding to a salvation call, and they'd come to the front again. You've seen this, Renee, am I right? They'd come to the front and they'd give their hearts to Christ again. I began to kind of scratch my, I had more hair back then, so I'd scratch more hair, and I'd say, hmm, what, what is going on? Can't those people get it together? I mean, jeepers, are they getting saved every week? The longer I've known Christ, the more I recognize this, and we have to go back to the cross. I'm not saying get saved every week, but we have to go to the back to the cross, go back to, get on our knees, go, go to the altar. That may be in your bedroom, it may be in your home office, it may be in your basement, but we go to the altar and we say, Father God, forgive me again. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. And guess what? He does that time after time. So now when there's a salvation message and, and somebody comes to the altar and they were there, the same people of the last week, I, I, I cheer them on because they, they're in a place of recognition that, hey, listen, I need thee every hour. I need thee. He is faithful. And when he calls us, when his still small voice whispers something to you, it is our responsibility to respond. It is our responsibility to respond. I so appreciate this, this house of worship because you allow the gifts of the Spirit to flow. That's important to me. It's important to my wife. It's important that we recognize that Holy Spirit wants to speak to us in so many different ways. He wants to allow his manifest presence to rule and reign in our services. If we allow him and are open to that, it's amazing how much good can come from when Holy Spirit's presence is so very, very welcome into a service. He can do more in an instant with his presence than the, than the best speakers that are out there. You could line up Joel Osteen. You could line up Doug DeMint. You could line up Dwayne Durst. You could line up Dan McLaughlin. The best preachers in the world that we have. And guess what? As good as they are, Holy Spirit can do so much more in an instant. But it's up to us to welcome his presence. It's up to us to listen to the still, small voice. We must say today he is faithful and remind ourselves of that on a regular basis. I remember... I had an opportunity, I learned a lesson about taking a pause and taking a breath and taking inventory and reminding ourselves of his faithfulness. And it was a very kind of a carnal, kind of a, not worldly, but it's a situation I went through years ago where I had a surgery and I had rotator cuff surgery. And some of you have had that surgery. It's rough. I'll be honest. It, it was rough. Sister, it was rough. It was almost like childbirth. And all the ladies went, oh. No, don't you, don't you hate it when guys say that? We have no idea. Ladies, we just, we just thank you for what you do. That's all I'm going to say. We thank you for what you do. I went through that surgery, and the first couple days, I'll be honest, it was, it was rough. I didn't, I didn't anticipate that. And I was kind of discouraged. And even though I took the meds they prescribed and a few more meds they didn't prescribe and, and just kept taking, I just, this has got to stop. This pain hurts. And what I allowed myself to do was remember, listen, this is important, I allowed myself to remember that, you know what? I've had other surgeries. I've had other situations where the pain was almost unbearable. But I eventually healed through it. And eventually the pain subsided. And so as I just kind of chilled a little bit, 
and talked myself out of it, what, what I recognized was, you know what? Yeah, it hurts. But what I've learned from the past is, guess what? It's going to hurt less each day. And I'll get through this. I'll get through this. And sometimes you need to be the person reminding someone else they'll get through this. There's times where all you can say to someone going through a journey is to hold their arm or their hand and look at them in the eye and say, you're going to get through this. You're going to get through this. So I'm a skier. Anybody else skiing in the, in the house? Anybody else like to snow ski? Nobody snow skis? Seriously? Not one hand. Thank you, brother. Yes, that six-year-old boy right there, he's a skier. Anybody else in the room is a snow skier? Really? No one skis in, in upstate New York? Thank you, my friend. We'll go snowboarding tomorrow, you and I. I don't know your name, but you're buying, okay? All right, so, so I like to snow ski, and I've, I've, sometimes I go like, you know, five times a season. Sometimes I go five years and I don't go at all. So a few years ago, I find myself, this is a snow, I was supposed to have a, a, a cordless microphone so I could hold both of these, but if you can just picture, you know, muscular me going down the slopes. Can you picture that, right? Okay, sister, you're smiling, but you don't mean it, do you? No, you don't. I can tell. No, I'm very discerning. You don't mean it. Uh, so just picture this. Went for the first time in a few years. And I thought I was tough stuff. I thought, I can handle this. So uh, the buddies I went with, they wanted to get warmed up. And they were wimps. Can you say the word wimp? They were wimps. They went to the, like the, the slow hills first. They wanted to get warmed up. I'm like, I don't need those hills. I'm a skier. So guess where I went? The Black Diamond. Now, if you ski... You know what that means. That's like the fast, the steep, the fun one. Right, brother? You're nodding your head. You've been skiing, right? Snow, snowboarding. That's, that's, that's a lesser man's sport, but that's okay. <laughs> Stupid me. I went to the Black Diamond, and I thought, man, I can handle this. I had all my gear on. I'm good to go, right? And I got down, and I started, and I just realized about... 10 feet into it. And again, black diamonds are pretty much vertical straight down. You look down and you see a little bit of, it's just, it's just, it's bad. It's bad. And I'm 10 feet into this realizing, what did I do? What am I thinking? And I started speeding down there and all of a sudden my self-confidence was zero. All of a sudden I felt like I'd never been skiing before. All of a sudden I, I was shaking with like fear and all these things hit me like I'm seriously going to hit a tree and die. All these things were going through my head. I felt out of control. My legs were wobbly. I didn't have any self-confidence. And all of a sudden, I realized halfway down the hill, there was a flat part. Sometimes that's the case. And I found it. <laughs> I finally stopped catching my breath. My heart's pounding. I'm thinking, Daniel, what did you do? Why did you do this? And then I realized I can't go down. Because guess what? Even though it's halfway, I look down. There's still like another 15, 18, 100 miles. I don't know, something like that. And I look down and realize... That's a long way. I'm halfway there, but there's still a long way to go. And I thought, I can't do this. I literally said to myself, I cannot do this. And I was paralyzed with fear. And I began to look over to the left and began to look over to the right, and I saw trees. And I thought, if I humble myself and take off my skis, and if I kind of gather them and just sort of crawl over there, I, it's, it's going to be okay. And then I realized, I can't even do that. Because when you're on a hill that's like this, no, Renee, it was actually like this. Renee, when you look down, it was like you could see. It was, it was bad, sister. It was bad, okay? Here's what I had to do, and this is the lesson I want you to learn. Much like what I went through with my surgery, I had to remind myself, I'll get through this. And so there I am on this flat part-ish of the snow hill, and I had to stand there, 
And people are buzzing by me, all these hot shots. And by the way, no one was on a snowboard, I'm just saying. Um, all these hot shots were going down. You know, they're kind of buzzing past me. Oh, it's probably you. I bet it was. And um, so what happened was I had to tell myself, listen, I know how to ski. I'll get through this. I can do this. I literally had to psych myself up to it and, and, and preach to myself. I had to grab myself by the hand and say, you're going to get through this. Because the fear was there. The fear was very, very evident. I, I mean, I just didn't have the confidence. I'm thinking I'm going to die. And I realized, you know what? I've been on many black diamonds. I can do this. Fortunately, obviously I'm here, okay? Four hip surgeries and six brain surgeries later. No, none of that happened. I'm here. Some of you are saying, well, how does that apply to my spiritual walk? When you're going through some of the toughest times of your life and you don't feel the presence of God, when you're going through some of the most challenging times in your family and you're hearing all these voices of negativity and you don't feel like God's involved, the lesson this morning is God is always faithful. And it's your role, your goal, is to go through this and take a deep pause, take a deep breath, chillax for a moment, and say to yourself, listen, how has God met me in the past? Holy Spirit, help me to think back to all the ways, God, you've met me in the past. In, in situations that I thought were impossible. In, in environments that I just knew were, were not conducive to God performing miracles. Somehow, God, you performed a miracle. So the first thing in that moment, you have to come to him with a, a sense of really apology. And saying, Lord, forgive me for ever doubting you. But Lord, here I am. Here I am. And Lord, I'm hurting, I'm confused, I'm angry, but God, you've been faithful in the past. And God, I know you're going to be faithful moving forward. Help me, Lord. But you have to make that choice. You have to stop down the middle of the hill and pause and remind yourself of God's faithfulness. Remind yourself of how God is always, always, always faithful in every situation. Hebrews chapter 10 Verse 23 says this, Let us hold unswervingly to hope, to the hope that we profess, for who promised is faithful. And again, the message version of that same one, by the way, if you ever read scripture and, and it really speaks to you, it's important that sometimes you take the opportunity to look at it from a different version and, and to just see how it's other words kind of speak to you. And, and the message version of the same scripture of Hebrews 10, 23 says this, So let's do it full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, there's um, an important story that, that we pull from of Nebuchadnezzar and the three Hebrew men. They're thrown in the fiery furnace, and, and then when they refuse to bow down to the king's image, the three were preserved from harm, and, and the king sees the four, fourth man walking out as well, the fourth man that certainly we know was, was, was the, the triune God that was with them in the fiery furnace. Listen, if we can read a story in the Old Testament and recognize that God can deliver three men from a fiery furnace. He can certainly deliver you from whatever you're going through. It's important to realize God is faithful all the time. Three quick points. By the way, Pastor Doug said second service usually lasts until about 3 p.m. Is that correct? So he said just go for it. 
All right? So we're going we're gonna to hit a couple of quick points here. I want you, if you're taking notes, here's the first one. He will never desert us during changing circumstances. He will never desert us during changing circumstances. What do we mean by that? Sometimes we like continuity. Sometimes we like uh, things that are familiar. Sometimes we like things that are stable, right? Because they're predictable. But life doesn't always happen that way. Can we just reflect back on the last year and a half? All of our lives have been turned upside down. And I don't know about you, but, you know, I've been in ministry quite a while and have done a lot of funerals and have been around death. But this last year and a half, I've been around more personal friends and acquaintances and people in my orbit that have died. And what I've realized these last several months was the impact it's had on me. Some of you have had that happen. Some of you may have lost someone very, very close to you in this last year and a half. And during these times where things are changing and not predictable and you open tomorrow's paper and what does the headline read and what's new and all those things, it, it's important that we have ground zero in our world, in our orbit, in our mind, in our heart. Ground zero, what do I mean by that? We serve a God who is faithful. He's not surprised by any of this. And his characteristics never change. He doesn't look at the headline and decide to change. He, his characteristics are always true, always good. You know, I, I do not have to know the why everything happens, but I know God is God. He loves me, and life on earth is not the whole story. We don't have to know all the answers. We never will know all the answers. And if you're going to press into that and, 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 and claim that you're going to try to find out every answer, you're going to drive yourself batty. You're going to drive yourself into a whirlwind that's going to suck up a lot of energy of your heart and also a lot of energy of the hearts of the people you live with and the people you consider to be your friends. Make better choices about what you put your energy in, in, into and what you think about and what you allow your heart to pursue. We are not going to have all of the answers, and we have to be okay with that. I know who God is. He loves me, and life on this earth is not the same or the whole story. We have to recognize that. It's important for us to realize as well, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, the people of God were told of a huge change that was coming ahead of them. Moses, the man who led them through thick and thin for 40 years, making a startling statement. In verse number two, he says this. He says, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. Can you imagine following the same leader for all of those years and all of a sudden he makes that kind of proclamation. Just imagine the shock that went through the camp. He says, Joshua will cross ahead of you in verse 3. And here was their leader talking about a change in leadership at a very crucial period of planning when they were going into the promised land. And in fact, Moses said in, in verse 2, he was no longer able to lead them being 120 years old. We understand how that is. So circumstances that change can be very trying. This last year and a half, give yourself some room to be human. Why? Circumstances have been like on, on, on quicksand, changing constantly. Jobs, families, vax, no vax, churches open, churches closed, all of those things changing. But through it all, God is faithful. Through it all, God is faithful. Some of you need to hear that this morning and be reminded of it. There's a story of a family whose house caught fire. And as each parent grabbed the hand of a little one to lead them away and grab a few belongings... They, they, they realized that the one little daughter's hand broke free from her father and, and his grip and ran upstairs to get her teddy bear. 
However, when trying to come down again, she found she was trapped by the flames. So she, she ran to the upstairs window and shouted for her father's help. The father shouted back, Jump down, honey! I will catch you! However, since she couldn't see her father clearly through the smoke, you can imagine the fear that she went through. The little girl cried, Daddy, I'm scared to jump. I can't see you. Her father replied, Don't worry, honey. You just jump. I'm right under you, and I will catch you. Although you can't see me, I can see you. Some of you this morning feel that way about God. God, do you see what I'm going through here? God, I've been serving you, and, and I, Lord, it's a mess. Do you even see what I'm going through? And the Lord's message to you this morning is clear. He's faithful. His, he's just. His timing is always perfect. His ways are not our ways. We can plead, we can cry, we can all... Listen, his ways aren't our ways. And most of the time when we look back, we're grateful that we, he didn't answer that prayer. Can I get an amen? He's faithful. He sees where you're at. He sees through the clouds of smoke. He sees through all of that and sees you. He sees you in your hour of need. He's not forgotten you. So he'll never desert us during changing circumstances. God will never desert us when we are challenged by the needs of the world. So Hebrews 13.5, again, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has, never sa has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So the theme of contentment is really important, that wherever you find yourself, be content that God is working things out. He's doing stuff behind the scenes that you just don't see. He's doing stuff behind the scenes for your good. He's doing things behind the scenes and he's molding hearts and he's moving pieces around on the chessboard of life, making sure that, that the purposes and the plans he has for you will work themselves out. And why does he do that? Why? Because he is faithful. For, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. If you're anxious about your future, or your career, or your marriage, keep in mind, some of you that are not married yet, you want to be married. Mag uh, marriage really just magnifies the stage that you're currently in. Have you ever talked to somebody that was sort of unhappy? And their thought was, listen, I'm unhappy right now, but if I get married, I'm going to be a happy boy. How many of you know that usually doesn't work out that way? Most of the time, marriage just magnifies the state you're currently in. If you're a happy person, you're content, you're joy-filled, marriage should elevate that. If you're not a happy puppy, and you're kind of angry, and you're not you know, doing so well, you think marriage is going to fix that, guess what marriage will probably do? Add to the stress. So I don't know who needed to hear that this morning, but someone did. Lastly, real quick, here we go. God will never desert us when we are challenged to serve him when we're challenged to serve him. He'll never desert us. I went all through high school planning to be a lawyer. I had gotten some scholarships for some colleges and planned on doing that. The uh, church I was a part of was um, a, a church that was sending a lot of people off to Bible college. And this was a year or two after I really committed my heart to Christ. And they convinced me six or eight people were going to Bible college. And they said, come on, Dan, come, on, come along with us. And, um, and uh, you'll, you'll be able to, no, I'm not going there. I'm, I'm going to be a lawyer. Leave me alone. And they said, no, no, come, come. And, and for, you can come for a year and, and you're, you know, you're deep in your faith and that kind of thing. And so they convinced me to come. I'm thinking, okay, I'll put my year on and get closer to Jesus, but then I'm going to, med, going to go to law school, right? So lo and behold, two months into Bible college, I'll never forget, it was a special service. I can 
picture of the platform is similar to this, and it had steps. It was a taller platform. And that was the center, and I'll never forget it. It's right about here. When God said, you think you're here for a year? I said, yep. Like I got all, like all prideful, like, yep, I'm here. I'm giving you a year. He says, no, no, no. He says, you're here for the duration. And he called me to full-time ministry in that very moment, in that platform, right on those steps in that evening service. And at first I said, Lord, that's not part of my plan. It really isn't. I, I plan on being a lawyer. I love law. I want to do all that stuff. And I got some commitments to colleges. And I, all those things are planned out. And my, the bottom line is he, he challenged me to serve him. And that was about 37 years ago. And I, I'm so glad that God's ways are better than mine. I still like law. I still watch those law shows. I have a couple of really good friends who are lawyers. But I'm where God wanted me. And even though I was challenged by that, he met me where I was at. So grateful for that. I'm going to ask that the um, prayer team come forward, if you would. Those of you that help with the, the prayer ministry, if you could please come and stand along the front. You know, during worship, I felt like the Lord dropped something into my spirit about this service that there was a young man and a young woman that both had been here and at one time serving the Lord with vigor, but you've not been serving the Lord for a season. You've been turning your back on him. You've been running away from the call of God in your life to be a, a strong believer, the call of God in your life to be a strong young adult, spirit-filled believer. You've been running from that. And I feel like today's your Sunday to, to turn back from that, to, to stop running to take the opportunity to embrace what God has for you. It's been scary for you, but I believe that today is the day where there's a young woman and a young man in this room that you've been running from what God wants you to do. And I'm just releasing that to this crowd, and I don't know who you are, but I would encourage, if that's you and your heart's pounding, to consider coming forward and praying with one of these folks that are here. And I would be remiss if I didn't offer the opportunity this morning that if you're in the house today and you've never given your heart to Christ, it's a pretty simple thing. He's not only faithful, but he's loving and kind and merciful and gracious, and he's very, very forgiving. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've done, his bloodshed on Calvary is strong enough to cover that and to bring you a place of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. His forgiveness will do that. Maybe you're watching online and that, that's you. You can, you can bow where you're at and say, Father God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Make me a new creation. And he will do that. That's how he works. His, his spirit is everywhere. So maybe that's you watching, watching online. I'm going to ask everyone please stand. So a couple of very specific things. Very specific. There's a young man and a young woman in the room today that you've been running from God's call, God's plan and purposes for your life. And I would encourage you to respond to the, the call of God and respond to his still small voice. And take that step of faith and come to someone that's up front here and just say, that was me. Would you pray with me? Second thing, if you're here today and you've never said to the Lord, God, forgive me for I'm a sinner. Make me a new creation. I accept that your son died on the cross of Calvary for my sins. Forgive me. I would ask you to come forward and let someone pray with you. 
And the third thing is, if you're here today and just need prayer, these folks are here to pray with you. So I just release that to you and ask for God to, to uh, use that.